Welcome to Accelerating Your Dental Practice, a podcast with free expert advice to accelerate your practice's efficiency, growth, and profit. Here's your hosts, dental management consultants and friends, Malika and Michelle. Welcome back to our episode of Accelerate Your Dental Practice with Malika and Michelle. Good morning, Malika. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Good. Loving. I don't know if the leaves have turned on your area, but I love the colors of the leaves. Fall is here. Full blown here. Yeah, same here. I was uh, flying in to Boston the other day from um, Texas. You know, Texas is very green and doesn't have the, (laughs) the color changes. So as I was flying in, I had a beautiful view of like all the colors as I was flying into in I took a picture of it from the airplane and I was uh, like oh because I know in a couple of weeks that'll be gone too and it'll be bare same it, it goes so fast we've jumped from fall into full-blown winter I'm sure it's worse for you than me but <laughs> I'm not a winter girl oh no no not me either so speaking of like full-blown change <laughs> I feel like uh, maybe over the past year or two-ish, we've had some full-blown change in regards to like staffing, yes. just finding them, retaining them. And, and it's become such a hot topic with, with me and my clients and just like anybody in the industry. I'm sure you're seeing the same oh, thing. Yeah. This is the number, number one topic. I actually was a keynote speaker for an AGD uh, platform in Virginia and that was all we talked about at the dinner table. This was, you know, where do we find good staff? And, you know, you know, I, I don't have a hygienist. I have four openings. I mean, this was hot, hot topic. It's definitely, you know, it's challenging. And I feel like, yes, it might've gotten a little bit better, but as you know, it's, it's better only if you pay them those crazy salaries to, right. to, you know, keep those seats full and the phones answered and patients seen. So that there's a lot of movement happening in that for sure. Yeah. And I know it's been challenging, especially finding people on the clinical end, because yeah. you and I know on, on the business end, the administrative side, you can on the job train somebody. It might take some time and, and you have to be willing to, to invest, right? And there's lots of programs out there. It's one of the reasons I created that new to dental yes. boot camp program. But when it comes to assistants and and hygienists, like you can't really on the job train them, depending on the state for an assistant, but definitely not a hygienist. And there's such a shortage of them. And the ones that are coming out of school are wanting 10 to $15 more an hour than what they're paying like established hygienists. It's it's a little frightening. It is. And, you know, especially you said it very well, like the hygiene part is I joke and say they're rare diamonds right now. And it's so important to make sure that you are in touch with your current hygienists that are, have been with you for years that, that are, you know, have created a great rapport with the patients and you, because that's a key component. You know, that's the heartbeat of your practice. And if you want to be able to, you know, have that growth and retention going in your practice, that's one part that's hard as you said, to just hire somebody and train from scratch. They have to go through the hygiene program and come out. And what I find interesting is that last year I spoke on these hygiene schools and end of my speech, my purpose honestly was to speak to them and educate them on you know, how they go in and what they look for when they're interviewing in a practice. And a lot of them had already done their homework by talking to other hygienists that have been already out. And they said, well, for me, it's really 
important that the culture of the practice is positive. I don't care if they pay me two, three dollars less or five dollars less, but if I walk into that office and I feel like I can get along with everybody and there's good energy in the office and good vibe, I'll take more, less money to be where somewhere that I'm happy. So that's really was interesting to me because I felt before that conversation that they were just coming in asking for 60, 65, 70 dollars an hour because all they care about was their paychecks. But nine out of the 10 hygienists I spoke to that day, they were saying, no, it's important that I walk into an office that cares for the patients, cares for the staff and has a good positive culture. Yeah, that's really, really important because you do see hygienists or any, any staff members when you're interviewing them, they do say like, I left because I wasn't happy going into the office. Like I loved my job and I loved my patients, but I just wasn't happy there. So being happy and in that culture, you know, we talk about culture a lot and cultivating that culture and making sure you're hiring the right people. And, and as a doctor that you're leading them appropriately. Yes. yes. And that's huge. You know, I, I, again, I'm circling back to my, you know, speech that I had did on Friday about mentor mentee. And, and I say this, like, you, you know, Dennis, you guys are, are mentors, not just for other dentists, you know, associates or colleagues, but really to your hygienist, your you know, dental assistant, treatment coordinator, office manager, it is so, so crucial for you to be able to connect with them, check on them, you know, put this in a, one of the podcasts we talked about this, put some of this stuff on your calendar so that you don't forget because it, life is busy. You know, we focus so much on the clinical side of OSHA HIPAA training, CPR, you know, but at the same time, these check-ins are really important to make sure that that hygienist, that assistant, whoever that key player in your, on your team is, is not already checked out, ready to walk out and has one foot out the door and just looking for that great opportunity to go. And what I've noticed the most is that when I'm interviewing a candidate, they're not looking, they didn't apply. They were given to me by another colleague or friend because they heard the office that I'm working with is, has a good culture and it's, it's a well-run practice. It's not that they're going on Indeed and they're leaving for that reason because they no longer want to just go to another office. They know that they want to go somewhere that it has a buzz and a vibe that says this is the place to work. And that is the key piece that I feel a lot of my clients are missing on is that they're thinking that, well, if I give them a $5,000 bonus and I give them more money, they're going to stay. And I'm going to tell you, I have three that I can think of right now that gave those bonuses and that individual left and didn't care that that bonus was deducted from their last paycheck. They just wanted to leave. Uh-huh. So it's so, so important that we keep in mind, yes, that $5,000 bonus or 2000 whatever amount that you're thinking about bonusing someone, yes, it's a good incentive to lock them in, but you also have to be able to deliver. You have to be able to say, you know, if you're saying at the interview, you know, we have a great culture, I have great hours. Yes, you're only going to see seven to eight patients, a hygiene patients a day, unless there's X, Y, and Z. But if you take that and turn it and give them 12 patients a day, when you told them seven to eight, they can only take that so long before they're like, you know what, I'm done. What they were, what they promised me is not what they're delivering. And because we're in such a shortage, they can go somewhere else. You know, yes. they can. That's the, the catch here is that pre-COVID, they would tolerate it because it would, would have been harder to find them at the right office. Now they can go. There's so many options there. So we just have to keep that in mind that, what we're interviewing and what we're saying, we're delivering. If you can't deliver it, don't say, because that even that the cost of that turnover 
is so expensive for you guys to bring in, change, do it again and again costs a lot. Yeah, that's very true. And how do you get the word out, the buzz out that like your office is amazing and the culture is amazing? Well, one, you want your team talking about it. Your team should be talking like leaving work, going out for drinks at night and be like, oh my gosh, we had such a fun time at work or my boss is, is the best. But also sharing that on social media, like, you know, doing reels, doing posts, letting people know like this is a great place, not only to be a patient at, but to work at. And I do have many offices that do that. And I have people that like, even when they're not hiring, they're getting resumes saying like, I really want to come work for you. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I had actually had a marketing company one time tell me, and I'll never forget this, that your staff are a walking billboard of of your practice. And so, you know, the swag they wear, you know, have an office, all the all the staff in the winter have these North Face, you know, jackets with the logo on it. They're taking those jackets and going to happy hour, like you said, and mingling with other people. And that opens that conversation. And oh my God, my boss is great. You know, we do, because as you said, they're the best option of bringing staff into your practice for sure. That's a really good, good point. Yeah. So now (laughs) jumping to like retaining these people, once you get good people in your office, you want to keep them. Because let's be honest, some of the the candidate pool out there, not so great. You have people applying, seem enthusiastic when you're talking to them on a telephone interview or even an in-person interview, and then they don't even show up for the first day of work. They ghost you. And so when you find somebody that is that diamond in the rough, that that person that is going to be a rock star in your office, other offices are going to want them. They're going to get like, you know, people are going to reach out to them. They're going to get offers from other people. And now you're going to feel like it's going to cost me an arm and a leg to keep this person. And how is this sustainable? I mean, number one, I think the, the offer letter has to be given. You know, this is not the day and age where we could just say, okay, you're hired. See you on Monday. You have to give them the offer. And I know, and I know that some of you will say, well, they take my offer letter and they go back to their previous employer, and then they get a raise. I understand. That is the market we're living in right now. Either way, if you don't give that offer letter, it's not official. So it's so important to give that offer. And anyways, if they're taking your offer letter to their old, you know, their current job or old boss, they're probably not a good fit for your practice anyways, if they're not fully ready to part from their current employer. But that offer letter really locks it in. And if your offer letter is great and presentable, that individual that has an offer letter also gives that buzz out there that this is an office to come to that gives an offer letter, you know, has, you know, already the expectations on there, whatever the system you have to do for the onboarding, it is so important to follow it. Because if you're just saying to me that, well, I told, you know, Sarah to be there Monday, 9am, she no showed. Did you have an offer letter? No. Okay. They're not going to show up most likely, you know, in the past, yes, where, where I came from, they just told me and I showed up, but those times are over. Do you, these younger crowd, uh, generations really, really wanted something in their hand by email. And some of my offices had even gotten more creative and they're even having them, you know, through Adobe and they're having them e-sign it, send it back. So it's there. And then their HR system sends them an email, email onboarding them. And actually this reminds me, I have an ortho practice that has a video that a team has made introducing themselves. It's like a two minute video, gives a tour of the office. It's like the, the, everybody's like, you know, hey, Malika, I can't wait to meet you. I'm the treatment coordinator. I've been here. And a fun fact about me is this. 
So with the offer letter, this email goes out, the link to the video goes out. And he has had the, an, an amazing retention because again, the team is, as you said, the team is selling it for him. The team That's is great. saying how great. And I just thought about it. This is a great thing to do. It doesn't take that long. Someone on your team does, you know, savvy with this kind of, you know, social media stuff, which I'm, I have, I struggle <laughs> with that. <laughs> it's like my weakest, you know, point, but it, I watched the video and it was so cute. And in the end, it like kind of made it fuzzy, like, can't wait to see you. And it like kind of goes away as if like, you know, wait till you come in so that we can, and then they made the break room be the, the final stop. And it said, all the good snacks are here, but we won't show it to you till you come in. Oh, I love that. So it was I so cute. It. So again, creative you have this 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 is where we have to be super creative because it's so hard to find those good leads and i have um some clients do something similar such as put a basket together for them for their first day of work and in that basket is going to be some swag items because we want them promoting you and a nice little like handwritten letter or, or note card that's like signed by the doctor and it can be signed by the team too, excited that this person is joining your team. You want them to feel welcomed in the practice. And then regardless, regardless of the position, regardless of how much experience a person has, you have to remember they need training. They need training. They don't know how you do things in your office. And if you don't train them, they're going to be frustrated because they're just getting thrown in and they're going to default to the way they've always done things in other practices, which may not be what you want. So now you're going to be frustrated. And this is how I find a lot of people say like, they're not working out and we'll have a discussion and I'll say, well, did you give them a job description? What kind of training did they get? And did you set expectations for this person? Because if you just let them in the door and let them run loose, that's a recipe for disaster. I, I can't agree more. That's like, I think a lot of times I see the onboarding is great. They come on board and then I say this, they're left on an island mm-hmm. because the staff is busy. Everybody's busy. And I say this all the time to my clients. I say, the minute someone quits, the number one person that is at fault, it's you, not exactly. them, the person you hired. Because when you hire them, you had checked off the boxes of that, that they would be a right fit for your practice overall. So if they quit, you have to first reflect within and ask yourself, what did you do wrong that made them quit? Or you fire, even if you fired them, because you most likely didn't check off all the items on there of onboarding. You know, did they get the software training? Did they understand how you like the flow in the back? What does the civilization look like? Because you and I know this, like I've been in so many offices and every office runs differently. No matter how much knowledge we have, there's something new that I learned from every office I walk into. Yep. And I think that is something that <clears throat> we forget. We think, okay, she has 10 years of experience. She's just going to jump in. She might be able to, yes, jump in. But if she feels like she's making mistakes because she didn't know that the way you bag your instruments is this way, and maybe someone that's working with her in the clinic makes a comment to her because they're frustrated because they can't find their kit, that will bring negative energy into your practice and maybe cause friction between them and then cause her potentially to quit. So it's important that that onboarding is just done correctly. Yeah. We want to, any new team member that comes on board, you want to set them up for success. And that starts with that onboarding process and in training. And keep in mind, like I have 30 
plus years of experience. I know almost every software out there. But if I walked into your office today, I would need a good 30 to 60 days to fully understand how you want things done in the office. So don't freak out after two weeks and say, this person doesn't know what they're doing. They should know everything. That's not the case. They should be improving upon retaining learning every day, every week. So you should see that by the end of 60 days, the end of 90 days of that training and orientation period, you're going to know this person is the right fit or not. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's true. And I think the check-ins are going to be important. You know, I, I say like, I keep bringing this whole mentor thing, but have someone, if it's someone in the clinic, let's say it's a hygienist and you have another hygienist, link them up with the other hygienist and make and be a mentor mentee because then you know ask them to take them out to lunch after week one and do a check-in with them and then maybe you can do a check-in after that those are going to be really crucial and important so that they can also give you guys feedback of what they feel like it's going well and what they still need help with and then that keeps them engaged and in tuned that oh my god this office really cares they're really trying to make sure that i'm i'm set for success versus like okay you're hired and after three months well, what, you, you have an attitude. You were late three times. You did this wrong. Well, you haven't said anything to them for three months. And then now you're going to give them that comment. They're going to shut down. They're probably not going to want to work there anymore. Yeah, exactly. So now I know like retaining people is not cheap. And I know I talk to doctors <laughs> on a daily, weekly basis about the, their overhead and, and what it's costing them and what that percentage is and, and how they can they can sustain this when they're like a heavily PPO office and they're not getting increases in their reimbursement. Yeah, that is, a, this is a hot, hot, you know, it's, and I had one tell me recently, you know, my CPA is telling me that he is changing my, you know, PPNL in a way to squeeze my overhead for my staffing because it's so, you know, so extensive, but I have no choice in order to stay afloat. I'm going to have to hire a hygienist at X amount of dollars. And I'm going to have to add more staff. And, you know, I think, honestly, we're in, in odd times right now. And a lot of you cannot do without a hygienist. You need that hygienist. You're not, some of you have, you know, six, seven chairs, and you're used to having three hygienists. You cannot do your own hygiene because you're too productive to do hygiene. So you have to bring the, the expensive hygienist or bring some temps to keep you afloat. But it's going to be important for your staff. And this is, a, I mean, a deeper conversation that they're making sure that they're maximizing every patient's chair time to help so that because things have to be more lean now because you have to be able to cover, you know, the cost of that hygienist or assistant, whoever you're bringing on board, especially hygienists, because as we said earlier, you can't train them. They're, they're ones that come out of hygiene school and, you know, depending on, you know, their background, you're hiring them with or without experience, but they have to be licensed. Now, depending on the state, some, you know, I know in Virginia, you can literally hire someone off the street as a dental assistant and have them take the extra certification and train them. Where other states, you cannot do that as easily. So it depends on where you are. Be creative is what I want to say. And make sure that your hygienist that you're bringing on board is educated and understood from your perspective of what is it that the top services you're providing so that they can sell it for you. You know, fluoride, all the stuff that you need to do so that you can keep things more lean to justify some of this expensive, um, you know, staffing that you have to do right now as we're going through this, you know, difficult times. Exactly. And reevaluating your goals. Yeah. 
right? You know, the goals that you might have set at the beginning of the year, they may not still be supporting you as we are into the the third quarter at the end of the year, fourth quarter, because, you know, there's been changes. (laughs) There's been changes in the team. There's been changes in the inflation, the cost of everything has gone up. So what you think has been working in terms of production and collection goals might need to be reevaluated in order to support that overhead that yeah. we have. It's true. Very true. And then, you know, you constantly have to be in the pulse of like, okay, what am I, what are my top codes? How am I doing there? You know, how much is my hygienist doing compared to what I'm doing? So as you know, in, I feel like pre-COVID, a lot of, you know, practices were just like kind of just going with it. It was working and it looked good where we are deep diving a lot deeper now into the KPIs and seeing like, what are those KPIs for my practice and how is that working with my, you know, overhead and the flow I have going on currently, what can I do to tweak this a little bit to kind of fix that margin a bit? And I, I love that now because Let's be honest, doctors are not great at, at looking at KPIs. Yeah. They kind of hand things off and, you know, they want the team to do it. But this has made them very much more aware. And I've had a lot of like deeper conversations with the doctors about these KPIs. Yeah. They're much more involved yes. now. I, I can't agree with you more. I'm, I'm so proud of some of my clients that I talked to. They're like telling me these numbers. I'm like, look at you. You're really <laughs> understanding. this. I have no choice. I have to understand it now. So I make sure that as I'm hiring, I can, you know, you know, these numbers can make sense for me, especially for the overhead side, which is, which is great that they're understanding the business side so much better now. Right. And you want, you mentioned earlier, like the, the numbers, like it, it being lean, you want it to be lean, but make sure like you're not stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. Like yes. you, you still have to be utilizing, you know, quality stuff, have quality people in the office, 100%. but just watch the overspending. Yes. You know, that's, and you know, as you I want to piggyback on that, as you said, it really why it's not about like, you know, let me cut the bib in four pieces <laughs> and, you know, no, it's not in that sense. It's more in your chair time. What are you doing? during the chair time if your hygienist has downtime from your onboarding did you explain to them that when they don't have a patient they'll have a you know asap list they can use to you know call and get their schedule filled versus them just sitting there maybe just playing on the computer or you know stepping away from the de- office those used to happen often pre-covid whereas i feel like now if you're paying your hygienist top dollars if you're not telling them their expectation if they're off patient time they're just going to walk away, go to the restroom, go use their phone because you didn't tell them exactly what your expectation was. So making sure that they're utilized. Some, I, I, walk, I have an office. I love this hygienist. She, every time I'm there, they have, she has no patience. She comes up front. She's like, do you want me to do some verifications for you? Can I answer some phones? And I'm like, look at her. She's utilized because she knows that her time is expensive. And if she doesn't have a patient in the chair, she's trying to help the front desk, which is awesome. Yeah, you'll have to have that all hands on deck mentality. Everybody's yeah. helping out whenever and wherever. There's there's no such thing as that's not my job. Yeah. Especially with most offices right now being short staffed, right? I do have a few clients that I like we're we're fortunate enough that we're able to have like one extra person in each department that we really need. But when we look at it, I can't tell you the last time that everybody showed up. So we're grateful that we're a little bit overstaffed because yeah. most days we're, we're not overstaffed. We just have the regular True. amount of people. True. It does affect the payroll a little bit, yes. but 
you know, we're not struggling on a day where like we only have one hygienist and if that hygienist is out, you know, then what do you do? Yeah. And as you know, these temping agencies don't have hygienists right now. No. There's so many of them I talk to, they're like, don't even send them to me. I appreciate you thinking of me, but I don't have anybody right now. That's just yeah. kind of, because a lot of the temps also, when they got these great offers from some of these offices, they were like, okay, you know what? I'd rather be in one place three days a week making yep. good money versus jumping between multiple locations and not knowing where I'm going to be next tomorrow. So things have changed a bit. And so that's why I think that retention is so, so crucial right now. And that culture that you build, it's, it's really makes a huge difference. Like I had told one of my clients, I said, before you interview, you have to think about as if you're staging your house for sale, furniture, lighting, the right candle, you have to make sure the vibe in your office is just perfect before you, you bring that in candidate for interview. You don't know how many people I speak to that say, well, I'm not going back to that office. I sat in the waiting room for 45 minutes before the doctor could interview me. And no one would even look at me when I sit went up front to check. And I don't know if I was replacing them, but they were not nice to me. So it's so important that you make sure that you have staged everything just right. And if you don't want your staff to know, do it after hours. Don't do it during this time that your staff is there and they have no idea what's going on. And then there's all this whispering happening in the office. And again, that affects your culture as well. Yeah, this is really important, really important. And I love that, like the, the staging of the office, because people don't think of that. Like I have, I have seen people or even followed up with candidates after setting up an interview for a doctor and, and have gotten some feedback. Like I walked in and they were so mean to me. Like the team was mean to me. Nobody acknowledged that I was there or I walked in and like the office was just messy and I just, I don't want to work in a place like that. So staging it, just like you were selling your house. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. yeah I think, I mean, it, this is the, I mean, it's just the world we live in right now. It's like, I mean, you walk in like, oh, they were paper charts. I don't like paper charts. You know, they see it walk in and they're like, and I'm like, oh, no, no, they're, they're, they're switching over right now. They're in the process. I'm trying to convince them. I'm like, no, no, that's not the reason. But this is, this is how they're thinking right now because they have so many options. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where, where we, are, we are at right now, where pre-COVID, they'll be like, well, I only have, a, this is the only interview I have. And they're following up asking me if the doctor would hire them. Whereas yeah. right now, they'll straight up say, well, I have five other interviews. Exactly. And I usually say like, you never offer somebody a position right away, but now I've kind of gone back on that and be like, if you found somebody, you Desire offer them, them right away because yeah. it, they're going to leave your office and go, go somewhere else. Yeah. I have a funny, a funny story about an interview. And this is like how people these days, like the entitlement that some people have. So I was interviewing for a client. It's, it's a beautiful practice. It's in California gorgeous practice, amazing team. Like if I wanted to work in an office, I'd probably go work in this office. It's so amazing. They pride themselves on the patient experience so much. And I'm doing a, an interview with her and they asked which software that they use. I said, okay, like, yeah, they're using open dental. And she's like, Dentrix is the best. And I was like, okay, well, that's your opinion. If you haven't used open dental before, like, and she's like, and I only work 7.30 to one. And I was like, but if you saw the ad, it was three days a week, like eight to five. Well, like I'll work this day. And I was like, the office isn't open on that day. Well, I can't work the other days because I need to go camping with my family. Oh, wow. And then uh, she was asking about the, the, the team. 
And I said, oh, like there's, you know, this great team, you know, there's this many hygienists and this many assistants. And up front, we have like two people. One of them is the doctor's wife. And she said, I'm going to stop you right there. I do not work with spouses. Thank you for your time. And she hung up on me. Oh, I was right. like, wow, <laughs> I get it. That's that's funny because I get that. But they ask, who is the office manager? Is the office manager related to the doctor? You know, the questions I get these days, I I, I could I don't even I have I don't, I don't have any comments because as you said, like they they are so entitled, and I get it. My you guys are these dentists are frustrated because the questions they're getting, but we have to be creative right now and be able to I hate to say this like know how to play the game. Right. Because it's truly a game right now. And if you are not willing to play the game, you will ha- struggle with, you know, the overall flow and growth of your practice because there is candidates like this on a daily basis asking these crazy questions. Yep. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, just when you thought you've seen it all, like something like that yeah. comes out and I was just like, wow. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for yeah, that. That's a, that's a common one I get. Yeah. Oh, the spouse is the office. Oh no, I'm good. Thank you. I, I don't work with office or I had, a, I had a candidate say, oh, the dentist is a female. Oh, I don't do female. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. So they tend to be really moody. I don't work with female. You know, this, this stuff I've never heard before. Exactly. I'm hearing now. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, it's definitely interesting. So like the moral of the story here, <laughs> I think is, you know, you have to do your due diligence when you're hiring somebody in terms of, you know, making sure they're the right fit for the practice. You don't just hire somebody because their resume looks impressive. You need to make sure they fit in the, into the culture of the practice, do some proper onboarding training with them. As Malika mentioned, the, the mentoring, the check-ins with them, making sure that you have all of this in, in place, knowing what you can afford and just monitoring it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy out there right now. Yeah. Couldn't say it better. I can't agree more. Yeah. All right, Malika, any last tip before we sign off for the day? No, I just, as I say, you know, know what you want. You, you just said it, know what you want before you interview. Because, and if it's a position that your staff is aware, ask them to interview them as well. That really helps because in the, the day, they spend more time with that candidate than you will. So it's important for them to be able to be a second eye and be a protector and know that, okay, Dr. You know, Smith, she has these two red flags that I feel may not be a fit. Trust, especially if it's someone that's been with you for years and you trust them and they understand you and your practice well and have a pulse on everything, tell them to interview because that will really help with the decision-making. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, again, Malika, I always learn from you. I hope everybody else. <laughs> hope everybody else has gotten some good tips. Like, keep your chin up. <laughs> it's tough out there. Yes. But if you're patient and you have the right system in place for this, you should be able to find the right, find and retain the right candidates. Yeah, and trust yourself. You're, you're. There's a le- reason you're leading right now. Lead. Show you know your show that you want you know to empower your team. And that energy is contagious and it will really create that great culture. Fantastic. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We've got lots of great stuff coming up in future episodes. So so if you haven't already, like subscribe so that you keep getting uh, the podcast. And thank you for everyone for supporting us. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us on Accelerating Your Dental Practice. To connect with Malika and Michelle, visit zardentalconsulting.com and affinitymanagement.co and learn how they can help you accelerate your practice even further.